think Tevez going to Juventus, what, what a coup that was for me. I mean, On a head-to-head -head battle, Atletico Madrid can do uh, more damage to Barcelona than the other way around. Either he's really blind or he's fixing the match. I, I can't see it any other way. I'm, I'm trying to get Sir Bob on my side here by saying City will win the Premier League. It, it is an upset. You would expect Man United to go and win there. Over a billion dollars was paid in transfer fees uh, between the clubs in, in Europe. It's football. It's damn football. Like Ferguson said, football. Bloody marvelous. Yeah, well, the celebration was, I can't believe I just scored against Mexico. Uh, at one point, Parma, I think it's only like 224 players under contract. So they're going to throw me out of here, fellas. You're going to get me arrested on your show. If you're a serious talent, you're going back and you're playing for Santos. You, you know, you're going back to, to play for, like in Argentina, for River Plate or Boca Juniors. Or you're going to Europe. He looked like the Ryan Giggs of old. He was more creative than any player on the pitch. Um, he made Matter look stupid. He made Rooney look silly. Now, the Premier League is what the most exciting league out there. I think it's probably the best marketed league without a question. When you look at the draw for the, the Champions League, you kind of say, well, all the pieces kind of fell into place for everybody except City. I am your host, Joe Ucello. Sir Bob, Mike Orr. My co-host, Rob Rojas. My trusted co-host, Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 365 of Low Limit Football on this 19th of August, 2022. I am your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight, big moves continue to be made in the transfer market as the window nears its closure. Tenge Dombele and Gio Simeone move from Spurs and Verona, uh, respectively, to go on to play for Napoli, a team that's already loaded at the top of the list and had a big output in week one of the season. Cesare Cassidy moves from Inter to Chelsea in a big move, and Tilo Kerr moves from PSG to West Ham United. But some of the biggest moves are being pulled or planned on by Manchester United, including some breaking news tonight. We're going to discuss that and much, much more with our very special guest, Phil Brown from Beyond the Pitch, who will be joining us in just a minute. But first, let me get my co-host in here, Mr. Roberto Rojas. What's going on, my man? I'm, going, I'm doing well, Joe. Obviously, we're coming straight off the presses following a breaking news about a team that is really in disarray and, and this is kind of basically their solution i don't know if it's going to be enough you know i'm, I'm reminded of the uh, the quote from ferris bueller's day off life comes at you fast and if you don't stop and take a look you might miss it um this is a life comes at you fast because uh we we were able to be joined earlier by phil brown and uh, remarkably um phil who has inside access to manchester united and the reason we had him on the show um you know, knew we knew that this move was coming. It was imminent. It was in its advanced stages, and then all of a sudden, boom! Uh, just before we come on to to record, uh, it happens. So we're going to discuss that in a minute. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. So um, let's get into the trivia contest or, or the qu trivia question first and foremost, my friend, because you have the honors tonight. So uh, lay it on me. Yeah, it's a simple one here, and it's a good thing that we're going to talk about Casimiro because obviously. He was form he formed part of that big midfield with Luka Modric and Tony Cruz at Real Madrid. So the question to you is, out of the nine finals that both Casimiro, that all Casimiro's Cruz and Modric have started for Real Madrid, how many of those nine finals have they lost? Lost. Okay, I the number. I think I know this. 
And the only reason is because I saw a photo of the three of them. Okay. And, I, and I just saw it uh, 20 minutes ago. So I yeah. think uh, I think I know the answer to this one. So hope, well, we're going to find out uh, in just a little bit if I'm right or not. So, so obviously, opening thoughts. You and I were going to originally, the, the original plan was to kind of just look at the leagues after a couple of weeks here. But uh, with the Casemiro move and, and what's going on at Manchester United, I think it's um, more appropriate to talk about that move. Casemiro leaves uh, Real Madrid. He moves on to Manchester United, a team that in, that's in disarray. Let's talk about this first from the Real Madrid standpoint, because I'm reminded a couple of weeks ago, we had Summer Hunter on here to talk about um, the La Liga season as the preview. And I mentioned to her that, you know, they have uh, Real Madrid, Chouameni, um, uh, uh, Edouard um, Camavinga, and uh, uh, Fede Valverde. All three of those midfielders would start almost anywhere in the world, and they were the bench to Modric, Cruz, and Casemiro. Now there was a, a massive level of luxury in the midfield at Real Madrid because of the moves that they have made. And Chouameni, even though he's still currently the biggest transfer in football this season, I want to say 86 million pounds. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I know it's I know it's a big number, and I'm looking it up right now as we as we speak. Um, but it allowed 85.3 million uh, pounds. It, it allowed Real Madrid to have flexibility, and in my opinion, to trade up from a 22 year old um, midfielder who they bring in for 85 million. They then turn around and sell their 30 year old midfielder for almost 70 million pounds. This is insane money. This is, this is absolute brilliance on the part of Real Madrid. Now, Casemiro is certainly one of the best defensive midfielders in the world. There's no arguing that. Um, But the amount of return that they get for Casemiro in this regard is, uh, is genius business uh in my opinion it it, it, it's it's not any better than that Uh, on the flip side manchester united an absolute team in disarray uh you're going to hear about that with the phil brown interview uh, a team that's desperate and i think a team that is throwing ridiculous amounts of money out there they're going to pay 70 million for casemiro they are preparing from what i saw a 100 million pound offer for anthony at ix um after their 80 million uh, pound offer was rejected by Ajax. This is, this is like play money. This is monopoly money at this point. Um, so Roberto, I want to throw it at you from the club business perspective first in terms of this move, because to me, this is, like I said, brilliance on Real Madrid part, uh, Real Madrid's part and absolute desperation on Manchester United's part. What are your thoughts on the whole thing? Yeah. I mean, I think obviously for Real Madrid, yeah, they, they know how to make business and they know how to get, obviously this is a team that likes to overspend, but when they do sell their products, they want to get a lot of money from them. I think they sold what Cristiano Ronaldo for for an expensive price of only a hundred million. Can you imagine that? Yeah. Imagine having to do that to Juventus. So yeah, no, they they know how to be, they know how to sell their products when they need to. Mm-hmm. In terms of the player himself, I mean, I, I think I don't know. I look at the style of what Ten Hag is trying to put at. Casemiro is a quality player. Mm-hmm. We know this. We've seen him become if not the best, one of the best center defensive midfielders in the world over the last how many amount of seasons, winning Champions Leagues and La Ligas and numerous titles at Real Madrid. Having said that, you know, I just, I look at the side and I I don't know if he's someone that, you know, is is very much a player that is much, that can press high. I've never seen that as his game. He's always been a destroyer. Mm. Um, 
And so I think that's where his style is going to be. So I'm just curious to see how Ten Hag is going to utilize him, especially in that midfield with Fred, with Bruno Fernandes, if he's in there, McTominay or anyone else that could go in there. But, you know, I mean, money talks at this yeah. point, And it's, it's just it feels weird to me because obviously that this is basically the, the, the player that they wanted to get in Frank de Jong. I don't think they're going to get him now at this point because there's no point in getting uh, Frankie de Jong when you already have Casimiro. So, yeah, I think it's it's a strange one. But when you're around Madrid, it, it kind of feels as if, though, this is the first of the other two midfield pieces that, you know, eventually will leave. You know, Modric is one and, and Tony Cruz is another. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they already have their, their um, basically, their, their, their substitutes in me who they got from from the summer, but they also have the likes of Camavinga, Valverde could play in that position as well. They're set. They are set. And so for Real Madrid's case, I think they I think they're in a good situation where they can feel confident. And you know, I think I think history will, will be good to Gasimir actually for his time at Real Madrid as as he was such an influential part in that midfield for for Real Madrid's. But I don't know. I just I feel very curious, and, and this is not even no fault of Casemiro, but just in general, of like, who would have... Anyway, we're going to talk about Christian Pulisic, another player that's been linked to, to Manchester United. Um, but I just feel like, at what point does anyone want to go to that club now? <laughs> as much as, as, that is the, as that is the club is at the moment. Yeah, and you know, looking back on it from a club perspective, Real Madrid, with this move, um, will actually end up on the positive side of the ledger for the transfer window. You know, we talked about that with Manchester City. How did City do that? How did they spend so much money on Erling Holland and still end up on the positive side of the ledger? Real Madrid are going to do the same thing right now. You know, they're going to be there. And that, it's, it's an amazing feat to me um, to be able to do that, to be able to be such a strong team. This is a team that won the Champions League. You know, they won La Liga. And they're going to make money in the window and still, I mean... With Casemiro moving on, I'm going to ask you a, a very quick question: Is Real Madrid still your favorite to win La Liga? Yeah, absolutely. Me too. Yeah, I, I, I totally. So I, that's crazy. On the flip side, let's go. Let's go and flip the book, right? And look at Manchester United because, um, and I'm looking at. I'm using the Guardian, but which, by the way, if anyone wants a great site to look at moves for the transfer window, use the Guardian site because it is it is top notch. Um, Manchester United, at this point, without the Casemiro spend, have already spent fifty-one million pounds in this transfer window. They're negative fifty-one million pounds. They just tacked on another seventy million in debt. They're going to um, make other moves. Obviously, they're they're preparing a huge uh, counter offer for Anthony at Ajax. Uh, we talk about Pulisic coming there, whether it be on loan or or permanently. They're they're. This this team right now smells of desperation, and I don't want to give away too much in the interview that we did with Phil because Phil, I think, echoed the sentiment, um, and, and we kind of talked about the Glazers as well. So I don't want to go down that road too much, but um, these are just you know these are two of the biggest clubs in the world, and they are ships passing in the night. One going to the top, and the other one going straight to the bottom. Don't you think, Rob? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, and mind you. How many crises have we spoke about in regards to Real Madrid? And it's not even close to what Manchester United have been dealing with. Yeah, Super League. That's it. That's the list. You know, um, which which if we want to look at spending money, you know, Nottingham, Nottingham Forest spending some ridiculous money over the past weeks makes you wonder about the um, the the 
the concept of the Super League, uh, whether it be a good concept, because it seems like only the English uh, teams, and we've seen this for the past few years, are the only ones splashing massive amounts of money, and a lot of the other teams really aren't. Um, case in point, Real Madrid making money in this transfer window. Um, the only the only team that's really splashing money that's not in the Premier League, it's probably Barcelona, and they can't really afford to splash money, right? No, yeah, no, so. they can't. So, uh, you know, looking at this, like you said, looking at it from a Ten Hag standpoint, um, Casemiro coming in, obviously going to probably displace uh, Scott McTominay. I, I, I can't see him starting over Casemiro in this one. I think Bruno Fernandes will definitely be there in play. He's sort of a, a little bit more of a playmaker than uh, th- than not. Uh, I, let me ask you this from Manchester United uh, perspective. Given that you've got a defensive midfielder in the class of Casemiro, which, again, arguably one of the two, three best defensive midfielders in the world right now. Um, do you regret losing Paul Pogba, who then you could have moved up the pitch and allowed him to be the playmaker that we saw him become at Juventus? Well, look at where Paul Pogba is now. Well, yeah, I mean, he's injured, sure, but you know you know what you got out of Paul Pogba when Claudio Marchisio was sweeping up behind him, Right. When he was at Juventus, he goes to United, never had that. I mean, at best, he had Nemanja Matic, right, for a little bit when Mourinho was there. And then uh, and then that's really been it in terms of that level of quality of defensive midfielder. And, and a lot of weight was put on Pogba's shoulders. Um, I w- I'm going to be willing to bet that they are going to regret that Paul Pogba move because it doesn't allow Pogba to become that defend- that, that midfielder that you expected him to be. Look at what he did with the French national team. Um, when you've got a guy like N'Golo Conte behind you, right? I mean, this is this is that level of move. What I, you know, that's why I think they'll regret it. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. But I think you know, at the same time, you worry about the consistency that he was featuring. Um, it kind of, it kind of feels very weird. And you know, um, shout out to um, Tossin, the, the our friend at, at CBS Sports, and someone that we've had on the on the show before. He's the one saying that only a club like Manchester United would sign a defensive-minded midfielder the year Paul Pogba leaves. What a wonderfully unserious football club. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That, that's exactly where my thought process is as well. It's just, how do you do that? How do you lose Paul Pogba and then get the one piece in the world that probably makes him the best player that he could be? And it makes no sense. But, you know, and again, I don't want to get too far in, down this road because uh, we might as well introduce our guest. Uh, because we're going to, with our interview with, with Phil Brown, we got into this in detail, um, and in terms of the, the the management, the upper management of Manchester United, the focus, the club ambition, uh, the ownership. We, you know, we we had a few minutes with Phil to talk about all of these things, and it was fantastic. So, um, let's get right to it and bring on our interview. So, without further ado, from Beyond the Pitch, the Phil Brown interview. And joining us now from beyond the pitch, our great friend, Phil Brown. Phil, welcome back to the show. It's always a pleasure to have you on, mate. I want to open with a, a question that it kind of goes around and away from the transfer window for Manchester United because we're going to get in-depth with them in a moment. But earlier this week, Elon Musk had tweeted that he was going to buy Manchester United. Uh, it actually saw the stock for the club rise 17% um, just based on that tweet, which I think is incredible, and probably the trade commissions will want to look at that. But um, with all the emotions surrounding Glazers out, I know Tariq Panja wrote an article saying that, you know, United is not for sale and kind of hinted at not for sale yet. Um, 
with all the grief that that surrounds the Glazers and all the angst that surrounds the Glazers with Manchester United fans, what are your thoughts on on something like that happening where the Glazers would sell the club to somebody, whether it be Elon Musk or anybody else? What what are your thoughts on that? Glazers will sell to anyone that write a check. I mean, it's sufficient enough to meet their valuation. Um, That's not their concern, whether it's a suitable owner or not. That's someone else's concern. Um, You know, Elon Musk, a guy who's in litigation with Twitter, um, because of legally inflating the stock price due to potential takeover, will have known what he's doing. Um, he, there's also responsibility on Manchester United to come out. I spoke to an individual at Bloomberg today and asked this question because I don't know anything about finance. And I said, is there a requirement for Manchester United to come out and deny this if it's not true? And he goes, there absolutely is. There's a legal requirement that they have. They checked with Manchester United before they put the story out. Um, that the Glazers were interested in selling at least partial part of the football club and asked if Manchester United wanted to push back on it. United said no, um, which to me is very telling because every time that this has come up in the past, United have been quite quick to come out and say no because they have a legal requirement to do so. Um, you know, I've in the last few days had an absolute deluge of information from people I don't normally speak with who work in the financial sector that have provided quite revealing information to me and I you know, at some point you have to make a call and say, do you feel confident in the information that you're given to make a logical extrapolation and say that this is happening? And from what I've seen, uh, yes, Glazers, they, much they badly need money. They need money for infrastructure, uh, which the Glazers have never shown any interest in investing in because they see much as needed value in its brand, not in its infrastructure. Uh, they also don't believe that anybody who wants Manchester United due to the global recognition of the brand will be put off by the state of infrastructure. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I think Elon Musk knew what he was doing. And um, if you are someone that's looking for investment in Manchester United and you are using intermediaries, why and you're not contacting people like Elon Musk, you're not doing your job. So obviously he also gets bombarded on Twitter from Manchester United fans, of course. Um, so I'm sure, you know, he, and I, but he added a caveat, which I thought was quite interesting. If I was going to buy it, it would be United. Um, but, um, from what I'm reliably told guys, Manchester United are soliciting offers. Now, obviously Phil sticking into the football and, it, you know, I want to go into a bit of a perspective. I know that all of us are familiar with the website 538 and at the time, of course, it's only two games in, so we got a long way to go, but they currently have the same odds Manchester United does. After two games, the same odds to get relegated than they do mm-hmm. to get qualifying for the Champions League, 8% and 9% respectively. So as we talk now, and obviously we'll get into, obviously, the game against Liverpool in a bit. But, you know, this is, as we speak, obviously coming into the news of a possibly Manchester United completing a deal for Real Madrid midfielder Casemiro. Obviously, all three of us are mm-hmm. familiar of how big and important he's been for Real Madrid for many years. But I think the big concern, and Joe, obviously, I think this is something that I'd like your interest of is the is the money because it's roughly around what 60 70 million for mm. for a 30 year old i don't see anything of a resale value so phil i mean it feels strange that around that manchester united would go for a player like him but also not surprising at the same time no it's very surprising like manchester united wouldn't allow only going to to santiago alcantara <clears throat> two years ago because of his age and he was half the price um this is complete contradiction from the Glazer policy. 
I would assume that they're doing it because they don't expect to be around to realize the resale value. So clearly it's not long-term planning. Clearly it's immediate planning. There's absolutely no way in this world a club who's been going through the entire summer gap in valuation with just about every player they've gone after have all of a sudden authorized a £60 million deal for Casemiro on unbelievable wages um, for a 30-year-old. I mean, United have had a policy to not give more than two years to players over 30 on contracts. So... This is a complete departure from anything the Glazers have done before, uh, as well as allegedly bidding 130 million for Jao Felix. I mean, the only thing I can, can think of, uh, and again, I don't know this for sure, is that they assume they're going to get this money back in any type of acquisition, uh, or they're extremely confident of imminent investment. Uh, one thing that it can't do, look, if you look at the results of the last 20 games, it'd be second bottom. Uh, Everton thought they were too good to go down last season too and almost did um, I don't think United would allow that I think what they would end up doing is sacking Ten Hag and bringing in a guy with more pragmatic tactics, making it hard to beat keeping them up, but the problem for Manchester United is their intangibles it's not technical ability it's not the quality of the players it's the other things, it's mental application it's physical application it's identifying with a sport and project for the players, they, they're clearly completely disillusioned, they have no confidence uh, the way the football club is a, run is offensive to them I don't know how you fix that I think what happens is when you bring in new signings, they eventually get infected by that virus too and, and adjust to the group setting of um, you know, if, the, if it's all negative, how do, how do you change that? And I don't think I think that's a really worrying sign for United that, uh, I mean, total chaos, what they're doing. It's nothing about it is commensurate with a well-run football club or even a well-run business. And uh, the Glazers certainly aren't behaving like people that expect to hold on to that football club for a lot longer. Uh, it's, it's neglect, it's failing its basic duty of care to the business and to the football club. And it is a massive departure from anything that they've done before. And of course, one player that here stateside, you know, obviously has gotten the rumors over the last few days, uh, but possibly might be linked to a move to Manchester United is of Christian Pulisic. So, you know, Joe, I actually wanted to go on you on this one so you could yeah. follow up because when I first saw the news, I just thought to myself, you know, this really isn't exactly a good move for him. Not just because obviously the, the, the vibe at Manchester United isn't exactly the best, but just, you know, obviously the position that he plays, the fact that he would go and basically go with the the teammate that basically just replaced him afterwards when he went to Chelsea and Jaden Sancho. So I, I personally do not like this move at all if it were to happen. Yeah, and I I, I don't think it happens strictly because uh, of, of that. If you follow the player movement in the in the previous dominoes, um, you know, Pulisic was a commodity at Borussia Dortmund because of the emergence of Jaden Sancho. So Dortmund was able to move Christian Pulisic to Chelsea. Jaden Sancho plays, I believe, another two years at, at Borussia Dortmund before now he becomes a commodity thanks to Jude Bellingham and others and now he uh, moves on to Manchester United for big money as well so I don't see Christian Pulisic going into a, a position or a spot and, and Phil I want to you know get your opinion on this as well I don't I don't see him going there with the intention of, of playing full-time which is what Pulisic is looking for because of the of the placement of Jaden Sancho so I don't see that move happening I don't think United will want to make that happen regardless of whether they're spending money frivolously or not um, it just doesn't make sense to me what are your thoughts on that phil well i know for a fact they're definitely interested in him <clears throat> um that is 100 true um what i don't understand is where they intend to use him i don't understand how you go from mark onerovich to 
Christian Pulisic. Uh, if you need a tall central striker with clearly Ten Hag legs, fine. Didn't do that. Um, they clearly will get rid of Cristiano Ronaldo before the end of the window. So who plays central? You know, Rashford is a big question mark is whether he will stay. He wants to leave. Uh, can they convince him to stay with new signings? I don't know. Um, his brother's met with PSG a number of times. Uh, met with them prior to his previous contract renewal. That's a fact. Uh, met with them last week. That's a fact. Um, and so uh, it's it's hard to believe what this is a result of a coherent strategy. Um, it seems like you know his scout system is he's a bit good. He'll do. And uh, I just I, I I don't know. I, it's hard for me to understand what they plan on doing with Kristen Pulisic. And uh, where they want to play him, who does, whose place does he take? You know, Martial still has to come back. You know, I, I, Ronaldo, like I said, will go. They need a tall central striker. Where's that guy coming from? Um, it, 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 I mean, if you can make sense of it, let me know. Now, obviously, uh, well, it's actually very interesting that you said that about Cristiano Ronaldo, <laughs> Phil, about him possibly indeed leaving because, you know, I think, mm-hmm. you know, for all of us that really have been able to see Cristiano in, in his last season, I mean, it's been divided. Obviously, everyone has their differentiating opinions because of how much of a polarizing figure this person player is. But, you know, honestly, I just want your thoughts on, like, you know, just this whole mess of how toxic mm-hmm. it's been and just, unfortunately, how his legacy will be at Manchester United even after all this. His legacy secure. I mean, the present moment defines the past. So if you look at people like Dennis Law, Dennis Law left Manchester United, went to Manchester City in his last season and scored a goal that helped put Manchester United, helped relegate Manchester United. And he's got a statue outside Old Trafford. George Best walked out in the club numerous times. Um, and to be fair to Ronaldo, it's not all his fault. I mean, I know fans get upset because he wants to leave, but just about every player at Manchester United has wanted to leave. And Ronaldo has some legitimate fair reasons for feeling the way he does. Dean Henderson came out when he went to Forest, uh, said things, I know, you know, contacted Forest to complain about what he said. But he really echoed the thoughts of a lot of players um, because they haven't left, they haven't said it. So it's, you know, it's not just playing staff, it's, it's other staff that have left the football club. Um, it's other people that have wanted to leave. It's, uh, you know, there's a, a terrible atmosphere inside the club. This comes from absentee landlords that um, have no control parameters anywhere. They highly incentivize employees, how the, you know, what the punitive measures are, leads to this type of behavior. When you incentivize players to have, to be individual brands, it's very difficult to fester a collective atmosphere because once things start going wrong, the PR agencies start breaching that it's this guy's fault, it's not my client's fault, this guy's fault, and that just breeds the resentment inside dressing rooms. So, you know, Ronaldo has some very good reasons for want, for feeling the way he does. Um, and look, you don't bring Cristiano Ronaldo into a dysfunctional football club because this is an extremely predictable outcome um, because he just... To be fair to Ronaldo, he doesn't ask anything of you. He doesn't ask of himself. Phil, I'm, go- I'm going to jump in here real quick um, because I, I want to turn, turn the focus to some of the players that have been re- uh, rejected that Manchester United have uh, have been chasing. Uh, you know, Speaking of Anthony, the uh, winger at Ajax 
Frankie de Jong, the midfielder at Barcelona, and uh, Adrian Rabio, uh, who uh, is at Juve. Now, the first two, I believe, were rejected by either club in Ajax or by Frankie de Jong at Barcelona. The third was somebody Manchester United rejected after the wage uh, requirements of Adrian Rabio were just utterly insane. Um, what are your thoughts on those three moves? I would, would you have expected any of those three players to help United at this point, or do you think that it would have been um, you know, more more confusion to the fire, let's say? I'm highly suspicious about the whole Frankie de Jong situation, <clears throat> um, simply because in 2020, we never went after Jadon Sancho. They knew in June they weren't getting him and decided to brief the press and lie up until the last week of the window to pretend they were still in for him, then move for alternatives. And that looks very similar to what they did with De Jong. Um, I think Frank De Jong used United's interest to uh, force Barcelona's hand to get him, get him his money. Uh, United bought Terrell Malasia, who shares the same agent as Frank De Jong. Um, I don't know if any of this part is true. So I'm, I'm just saying there's very similar patterns to what they did with Jadon Sancho in 2020, then decided to move on to alternative targets. To me, it's inconceivable that uh, Eric Ten Hag wouldn't have found out in five seconds whether Frankie de Jong was going to come to Manchester. And you don't just ask, are you going to come to Manchester? You ask, what if someone else comes in for you? Would you go there? Make sure you pick us at all costs. I mean, that's pretty simple. You don't even have to have a basic acumen or any football experience to ask those questions. Um, so it's really odd behavior. And, you know, Casemiro is a completely different player. As for Rabio, you know, a player that's been available all summer, you need have a right not to cave to his wage demands. Um, but again, it, 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 I don't know if you really are genuinely interested in Adrian Rabio due to an extensive process of elimination through your scouting, you move for him in June. You don't move for him in August. Right. Um, so to me, it, what was the other player? Sorry, uh, Anthony from Ajax. Anthony. So, you know, Anthony United wanted Anthony six weeks ago, four or five weeks ago. They told me that they were not going to pursue the Anthony deal unless the De Jong deal collapsed. Um, now, the two most expensive players to leave the Eredivisie are Matthias Delict and um, Frankie De Jong, uh, neither of whom have increased their value since leaving. Uh, from what they were bought from their Eredivisie. Eredivisie is a league where you buy a player, develop, and they're worth more than what you buy them for because you're buying potential. You don't know how these players are going to... You don't buy a player at the top of the market in their Eredivisie because there's just questions they don't get asked in Holland that they're going to get asked in top leagues that they haven't answered yet. So um, $80 million is an outrageous number. I have no idea why they would even go that high. And again, it makes me question so much about where does this confidence come in spending money? I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and I, the, the, the numbers that were being thrown around were absolutely insane. So I want to, I want to close yeah. with one more question. And, uh, and th again, thank you for giving us all this time tonight. No uh, problem, obviously on Monday, mad, massive, massive task to go up against Liverpool. Uh, what mm. do you think Manchester United looks like on Monday and how do you think they fare against Liverpool? I think they look very much like they have done. Um, I don't expect all of a sudden, like United surrendered in both fixtures against Liverpool last season. They, they basically did the same thing in both games. They lost 5-0 to Liverpool uh, at Old Trafford. The game before that, they played Leicester. Um, 
and they got hit for four. Uh, Brendan Rodgers said they walked through their midfield. Liverpool did exactly the same, uh, which to me is unforgivable. If you watch the Celtic Rangers game, Boca River, even if there's a massive gap in quality, there's not a massive gap in intensity and all the intangibles, the physicality, the desire to win, the desire for self-respect, pride, all those things that you can't, you don't see on a stat sheet that is in a person's heart. And to, to me, that, why would all of a sudden United players care this weekend when they didn't care last weekend or last season? They didn't care that Liverpool and City were winning leagues and European Cups because the same problem still exists. So, um, you know, it's not reasonable to think you're going to go out and sign two or three players and then throw them in the Liverpool game without training, without, you know, integration into the Premier League, all this stuff that takes time. So um, I don't have... A lot of optimism. I mean, bizarrely, if you needed to beat Liverpool, they'd be above them at the table. Um, but I just don't see that happening. No. And it kills me to say that. Uh, Phil, fantastic stuff. Always, always a pleasure. Always My pleasure, lads. Oh, man. We'll, uh, we'll have this up soon. And, and again, thank you for joining us. And oh, by the way, I saw your message uh, there that uh, Beyond the Pitch t shirts are going to be available soon, correct? Yes, we've got all that stuff coming out. Thanks for all your support, lads. Good luck with your pod. And as always, it's a pleasure to have me on. So anytime you need me, just give me a shout. Thank you, Phil. Take care. Cheers, boy. And special thanks again to Phil Brown for joining us on the show. And in what, for me, was an absolutely riveting interview. Um, Roberto, we've got some matches of the week coming up. And I again, these matches are going to be, because we're going to release this podcast on Friday. So uh, this weekend's matches will not be on there. Go listen to last week's pod for a list of this weekend's matches. These matches are coming up for next week. And by the way, just a quick uh, programming note, we will be off next week and we'll be returning the week after. So uh, just to give you that. But let's start out with this coming Monday, which is the, uh, I'm sorry, the 22nd of August. We talked about it. Manchester United, Liverpool, 3 p.m. Going to have their shiny new midfielder right there in the middle, Casemiro sweeping up things. Will it be enough to, to stave off Liverpool? Probably not, like we said in the in the interview, but we're going to start with that one. Man U, Liverpool, 3 p.m. on Monday. Then we go all the way to Friday, where we're going to give you a great matchup over the top of the Western Conference in MLS with Austin FC hosting LAFC at 8 p.m. Eastern. Then we go to Saturday. We're going to give you another EPL match. Chelsea and Leicester City uh, at 10 a.m. We'll be followed by Bayern Munich and Borussia Mönchengladbach at 12.30 in the Bundesliga. And Juventus Roma, 12.30 p.m. as well on Saturday. Fast forward to Sunday, where we've got Hitafe Villarreal at 11.30 a.m. And to close it out, PSG Monaco in league on 2.45 p.m. Roberto, you gave me a great trivia question on Casemiro earlier in the show. Um, why don't you lay it on the listeners again? Yes, absolutely. So with Casemiro departing, that leaves basically breaks up one of the greatest midfielders, midfields that we've seen at least in the last, I'd say, decade or so mm-hmm. in him, Cruz, and Modric. And they played in nine finals for Real Madrid and have been successful in, the, in a lot of them. But how many have they lost of those nine finals? So I saw, like I said earlier, I saw a photo. I probably saw it about uh, an hour ago. And in that photo had Cruz, Modric, and Casemiro holding up the Champions League trophy with a hand fully open, signifying five. So if they've played in nine finals, and by my estimation in the picture, they've won five of them, I'm going to say they've lost four. You're incorrect. Ooh, see, all right. So Mind you, what about all the other trophies that they've won? Oh, oh so this is finals in general. I didn't think it was Champions in League general, finals. In general, no. In general. Oh, so obviously the number is going to be higher. 
Exactly. Um, I'm. You know what? They've played in so many finals. I'm going to go. Well, there's with... nine, so yeah, it's either. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, they lose. Let's. Oh wait. So so nine finals. I don't. Is the number going to be higher than four? Um, I'm going to actually lower my number and go to three. Is that your final answer? That's my final answer. So Casemiro, Cruz, and Modric have played in nine finals together mm-hmm. at Real Madrid with nine wins. Really? They've, won- they've lost none of them. They've never lost a final in all of the games that those three have started for Real Madrid. Well, that, that is certainly a mark that the incoming midfielder of Tromeni, uh, Camavinga, and Valverde are going to have to attempt to, to beat because that is an outstanding statistic. So... Uh, and a great trivia question. So without any further ado, my friend, let's hit the closing music. Let's do it. All right, here we go. So for episode 365 of Low Limit Football, special thanks again to Phil Brown for joining us. Next week, we're going to be off, and we will be returning the following week to bring you up to speed on all the league information, the Champions League as it gets ready to get started, and start to look forward even to the World Cup. So for episode 365 of Low Limit Football, I'm Joe Ucello. I'm Roberto Rojas. Thanks for listening, everyone, and good night. Good night.